Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about investment grade apartments in Melbourne and Sydney. And my thesis is that they're set to take off, that they're, that the market cycle will turn. Uh, let me explain. I've observed, and I'm certainly not the only one, that uh, houses, investment grade houses, in terms of price growth, have well and truly outpaced apartments. Uh, in fact, I would say apartments have been very flat uh, in terms of price growth, investment grade apartments that is, uh, whereas houses have performed very, very well. Now, it's true that all markets move in cycles and that all cycles must come to an end eventually. Uh, so it's my thesis that uh, several factors are conspiring for the end of the the flat cycle with apartments. And I think that they're primed for uh, much, much better growth over the next period of time, let's say five to ten years, than certainly in the last 10 years. And there's a few reasons for this, and I'm going to um, talk about a couple of charts that I've uh, drawn, which uh, you'll find uh, in the well, the links in the show notes, but also obviously the blog on our website. Uh, so there's a number of factors that help me form this opinion, um, and so let's talk about them in order. The first one is supply of new apartments is drying up and drying up very, very fast. Uh, so in Sydney, for example, uh, volumes have halved since 2016. So when I say volumes, that's the number of apartments that have been approved for development. So they're the numbers that I'm really looking at, which is really speaks to, you know, the current sentiment of not only buyers, but most importantly, developers. So they've halved since 2016. So over the last four years, pretty significant drop. In Melbourne, it's been a significant turnaround uh, and approvals have fallen 40% in the last 18 months. Uh, in Brisbane, uh, Brisbane is sort of flatlining apartment-wise. Uh, less than a quarter of apartments have been approved compared to what was being approved, the volume was being approved in 2016. So really apartments across the board in terms of the eastern uh, capital cities uh, have dramatically reduced. Now, there's at least a lead time of 18 to 24 months and probably more than 24 months in most circumstances between a residential developer deciding, okay, let's do a development and uh, them uh, getting the approval, planning, building, selling and people occupying. At least two years sort of turnaround. So even if sentiment changes tomorrow, which I don't expect it will, but even if it does, there's still another two years of very, very low new apartment uh, numbers coming through. Uh, so that helps, obviously, supply and demand obviously helps existing stock levels. So firstly, if there is um, an imbalance, so there is in, in Brisbane too many apartments, uh, the natural increase in population will start absorbing the oversupply. Uh, I don't think Melbourne and Sydney are necessarily in oversupply. Uh, so probably what that means is that uh, normally if you've got an imbalance of supply demand, it leads to uh, price appreciation. Uh, the second consideration is given the fact that a whole lot of new stock has been built over the last 10 years, um, that it's really important to recognise 
there's a big distinction between buying an established apartment versus buying a new apartment. And uh, potentially they attract sort of two different types of buyers. Uh, so when buying a new apartment, uh, you know, uh, often people are influenced by the shiny new object. You know, beautiful um, finishes, um, stainless steel appliances, European appliances, um, high-end finishes, uh, and also building amenities like things like theatre rooms and pools and gyms and so forth. It's all very um, shiny and new and uh, purchasers get excited about buying into a development like that. Whereas if you compare that to someone that's buying an existing apartment, and particularly an older style apartment, they're not really going to be focused on those sorts of things. Instead, they tend to focus on uh, build quality, privacy, location, soundproofing, level of natural light. They're attracted to smaller blocks because there's fewer tenants and uh, and so it's a, a quieter sort of lifestyle. Um and so if we think about it, of all the new apartments that have been built over the last 10 years, they've been constructed really primarily for the first sale, the first initial sale. That's what they've been constructed to maximise, that is selling off the plan. But these properties aren't really constructed very well to survive in the secondary market. You know, after three to five years of wear and tear, those newer style, new build apartments start to look very ordinary. Um, and some of the shine off the initial things that attracted the initial purchaser are, are no longer there. And I think by comparison then, when you're comparing existing apartment stock, so that is, a say, a five-year-old new build property to something that's a, a, a double brick uh, apartment block of eight that was built in the 1950s or 60s, uh, the the older style, the 1950s, 60s apartment is going to compare better, particularly to the or appeal, particularly to the established invest uh, established apartment buyer. Uh, so it's 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 very important to note that there's a big difference between selling a new build apartment and buying an established dwelling. Other factors that are going to contribute, I think, to a increase in demand for apartments is a contraction in borrowing capacity. So obviously it's been well documented and I've been banging on about it for the last couple of years, but you know, borrowing capacity has contracted maybe somewhere between, depending on the, the individual's circumstances, somewhere between 10 and, and 40%. Uh, and so perhaps 10 years ago, someone had borrowing capacity that would allow them or uh, give them the ability to go and buy a house. But today, because of that contraction, uh, maybe then they're in that apartment sector or they have to make a compromise and move further out. And I know a lot of people that I speak to aren't willing necessarily to make those compromises, particularly as our capital cities get more and more congested. Similarly, because of houses have, uh, in terms of growth rate, have outpaced apartments, uh, you know, 10 years ago, if someone was looking to buy an investment grade house uh, in a in a blue chip suburb in Melbourne, you know, and they had a budget of 800 grand, uh, they'd probably be okay. You could find something. Whereas today you need north of a million dollars. And in most suburbs, uh, significantly more north, you know, one, 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 two, one, three uh, to buy a house. So fewer people can afford houses. And so more and more people will be pushed or potential purchasers won't want to compromise on location. So they still want to be in uh, a, a, in a blue chip suburb uh, and as a result of 
price growth over the last 10 years, they'll be forced into that apartment apartment sector. Uh, if they're forced into the apartment sector, you know, so they've got a little bit more money to spend, they're not going for an entry-level apartment, they probably want something that's reasonably big. Uh, and older-style apartments, from a, a floor plan perspective, and ceiling height and natural light, compare a lot better. They're, they're a, an easier compromise if we're not going into a house than, say, a new-build apartment, which tend to be quite small, pokey, low ceilings, etc., etc. Another factor to consider is the cladding and building quality issues uh, that have been well-publicised, particularly during uh, 2019. Um, so I'm talking about, you know, cracking and so forth. Um, for example, Opal Tower, Mascot Tower in uh, Sydney, uh, and also then the the cladding. Oh, obviously, there's been um, more investigations into the finish and the cladding used in uh, different projects uh, to avoid the a repeat of the the Grenfell Tower fires in uh, in London in in 2017. Um, so these two issues, the cladding and the the building quality. Um, they affects uh, both the developer and the purchaser. So it affects the developer from the perspective of they probably need to spend more marketing dollars to address some of those issues. And also they probably need to increase the, the spec in terms of their build quality. So it'll add uh, cost to the bottom line. Um, uh, in terms of purchaser, you know, purchasers are going to be more educated about these things. And typically, well, not typically, uh, just factually, it's a lower risk to buy something that's that was built 70 years ago and is still standing and stood the test of time than something that you're buying that you, that's not yet built yet. So I think people will be less willing to take some of that risk, particularly as owners in Opal Tower and Mascot Tower are, are likely to suffer some level of loss as a result of that. Another factor that's going to contribute towards the apartment sector is the population growth that keeps marching on uh, and growth rates, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, are very, very strong. In Victoria, Victoria's population increases by an, uh, somewhere between 100 and 150,000 people per year uh, if you look at the historic rolling 12-month average. And in New South Wales, somewhere between 75,000 and 130,000 people per year. So certainly Victoria is growing at a, at a, a much stronger rate than New South Wales. Um, and in both those states, population growth is uh, mainly driven by overseas migration. Uh, interstate migration contributes to, the, to Victoria by about 12 to 15,000 people per annum. Uh, whereas in New South Wales uh, uh, has n uh, negative uh, interstate migration um, and so they lose between fifteen and 20,000 uh, people per annum so it's a drag on their population growth. In any case, it's really about overseas migration uh, and as long as that continues, uh, then we'll see uh, the population growing which places uh, continued uh, increases of demand uh, in regards to, to property which inevitably translates to price appreciation. Uh, also, if you have a look at the population growth compared to the number of apartments that have been approved in the past, in the past 10 years, it, it uh, puts it all in context. And I've got a chart uh, that you'll find on our website that I drew, and I focused on Melbourne, uh, for example, but the same would be true in uh, most other uh, eastern capital cities. 
Um, and at one stage, it peaked in uh, two, uh, 2011, uh, where we were building about 24 or approving 24,000 apartments when our population growth was only 75,000 per annum. You know, 32, and that population growth is Victoria-wide, whereas those apartments are just in Melbourne uh, or Greater Melbourne District. Uh, 32% of uh, the population growth aren't going to want to live in an apartment, and particularly given all of those apartments are inner-city apartments as well. Uh, so it just wasn't at, at a sustainable level. We're now down to about 15%, so it's halved. Uh, it's halved compared to the population. Uh, and so it appears we're now, you know, that, that current construction volumes or approval volumes are now at, at a much more sustainable level. So as our population grows and if the um, approval numbers are, are flat or only increase by a smaller amount, uh, it means we're, we're, we're um, building proportionately fewer uh, apartments, which makes, uh, which makes more sense. Um, I, I've spoken about Melbourne and Sydney. Uh, I'm not optimistic about Brisbane apartments, at least in the shorter to medium term. Uh, and so I typically advise clients, if we're going to invest in Brisbane, it's a house rather than a, an apartment. Um, in Brisbane uh, or Queensland, if you look at population growth in Queensland, it's driven by overseas and interstate migration. The interstate migration normally goes to the coast, either the Gold Coast or Sunshine Coast. Uh, and most of them are retirees, uh, whereas the Brisbane market is mainly driven, in terms of population growth, mainly driven by overseas migration. Uh, these typically are skilled workers with younger families and so forth. They aren't really going to be attracted to the apartment market. Uh, and also, you know, for the same sort of budget as you might spend on an apartment in Melbourne and Sydney, you can get yourself a house, which is going to have a, a higher land value component. Uh, and that uh, market really is in a bit of oversupply, particularly in different uh, in different sectors, which is um, really a drag on apartment uh, price appreciation. I think in the long run, it'll probably work its way through, but in the shorter run, shorter to medium run, uh, if we're going to buy an apartment, it, in my mind, it's either Melbourne or Sydney, depending on your budget. Uh, of course, not all apartments uh, are going to make good investments. Uh, so I keep talking about investment-grade apartments, uh, and uh, I, there's plenty of blogs in which I've included a link in the show notes and in the 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 blog uh, this blog on our website. Uh, I've written lots of times about what makes a, a, a property an investment-grade property, and there's really three components. It's the land value, it's the scarcity, and it's the, the past performance of that asset. So they're the three things we need to look at to make sure an apartment is a good apartment. Um, asset selection is absolutely fundamentally key to your success. Uh, so I always recommend people go and find a reputable and trustworthy uh, and experienced buyer's agents to help them select the right apartment to invest in. Um, and that's a very important thing to do. Okay, so let's wrap it up. I've observed that houses have outpaced apartments in terms of growth over the last period of time. I have also observed and I've shown historically that most property markets tend to move in cycles. Uh, a cycle, a growth cycle, typically lasts somewhere between five and ten years. And that growth cycle is then typically followed by um, a five to ten year period of very flat growth. Uh, and uh, sometimes every now and again we get a year or two of negative growth, which we obviously 
most recently just experienced in the last two years. Uh, so we know that property moves in cycles. We know that uh, investment-grade apartments have been flat for the last, say, seven to ten years. Uh, so that just means that we are closer to a growth cycle. Uh, whether that growth cycle starts tomorrow or next year or the year after, I'm not sure. No one can really tell us. Uh, but certainly the evidence is pointing to a growth cycle uh, about to begin. And I'm optimistic about uh, the apartment sector's growth rate uh, in the medium term, so the next five to, to ten years. And I think there's uh, potentially a great opportunity there uh, to buy a, a great quality apartment and achieve some growth for all the reasons that I just discussed. Uh, so there you go. That's this week's uh, blog uh, stroke podcast. I hope that's been enjoyable. Of course, the one favour I will ask, that I ask from time to time, if you do enjoy the podcasts or you do enjoy the blog, please share. Um, I love receiving your feedback too. So often I get emails saying, thank you, we really enjoyed it. I like to get that feedback because otherwise I don't know if, if I'm going in the right direction. Uh, but please uh, share it among your family and friends if they're going to uh, enjoy or get some value from it. Thanks very much. Until next week, bye for now.